Uh, in conclusion, I hope that all of the teachers recognize the importance of catering to every student's needs. I know that this would be an additional effort for all of you, but thank you. The children do depend on you. Meeting adjourned. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that meeting, you know? Like, I... I Look, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not out of touch or anything. I'm not a uh, Oh no, I'm, not at all. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a modern I'm a modern man, but uh, the higher ups just don't understand what it's like to teach these children every day. Yeah, yeah, they they really only have that 10, 10 million foot perspective on the entire thing. Like, yeah, you say you're gonna keep the heating bill. Uh, you're gonna have to use more uh more heat in the classroom during the day for the lizard people, but that leaves the uh that leaves the abominable snow persons out in the lurch. Exactly. We simply can't direct our attention everywhere at once. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Keep our eyes open for every time the moon men start leaking? And speaking of eyes, you know, they wanted to put a prescription, uh, they, they wanted to transcribe all of our books into, into, uh, into Braille because of the creatures that have no eyes, but the other ones, their eyesight's so good that they need thicker pages so they don't read two pages at once. Yes, well, maybe if they gave us some more money or an assistant to start implementing these changes, but I just don't see how I'm going to make this work. I think I'm going to need to rely back on my old, regular uh, lesson plans that I always use, and the children will simply just have to adapt. I th think you're definitely right. I mean, I mean, what I mean, they must be smart enough. Some of them are living brains. Yeah, and like, I mean, they can't throw a dodgeball worth a damn, but I think you're getting getting toward the point here is like there's no need to be so pc like yeah we all got problems doesn't mean you have to whine about them just because i know i'm coming off a little strong here i just no, think I, that I, I you know by giving everybody allowances and uh and making uh make uh, you know coddling all these kids we're really not going to prepare them for the real world and truly must we get rid of dodgeball altogether just because some of the students are dodgeball creatures this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, no one's, in, in this PCH, no one wants to actually tackle the real issues. But the fact is, uh, maybe school is just not as well suited to some uh, some types of kids instead of others. I mean, after ben, all. I, I'm, I'm kind of on board with, like, this whole, like, fun analogy discussion. But we've done this bit, like, for every, <laughs> every well, cartoon where there's multiple kinds of people. I, I agree. And we're probably keeping this editorial in. However, wait until I get to my twist. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just, I am sorry. I left my podcast on in the background. I just turned that off. Uh, you were saying. Uh, well, uh, all I'm saying is that uh, we should, uh, we should, uh, you know, hang on. Uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, good. No, no, no. I've got, I've got, I've got a good, yeah, I've got a good know, closer. I, I just, just don't see what the problem is of calling the children little monsters. I mean, when I was a kid, that was a term of adoration. Hey, man, you know what? All these kids that we're talking about, all these different races, at least they ain't humans. It yes, was humans it, all along. It was not Earth all along. What is this? The Twilight Realm? The realm of the zone where light Zo barely exists. Zone of the apes? <laughs> the land where apes reside. Ender's apes? Yeah. Um, I, I know we've done it before, apes. but like, I, I just can't help but... It's, right, it's if just... we were going to do it 
for any show, this is the show because well, that's is, it. That's all that is. It's just, I mean, like, look, they 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 market it, and like the creators are from the, the people who made Recess, and they market it as Recess in space. Like it's just, you know, it's and uh, I don't know. I, I've got a lot to talk about with the whole like race but isn't race because it's species kind of confusion um, also it's not race because you know it's the early 2000s for children's cartoon and we're not going to touch race oh, unless yeah, we're the proud family yeah we, like we don't even have a gerald there like yeah. I, I i caution you like i i charge you to try to identify who uh, to identify who the black one is like i, I don't mm-hmm. think they all just seem like aliens whom are all white <laughs> like different varieties of white yeah, I mean, on the other hand, if you had done it the other way and everyone was sort of, a di- you know, in the Power Rangers sense of diversity casting, I don't know oh, if yeah. that would have gone over yeah, well I don't either. want Kurt to talk in jive suddenly, no, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's overwhelming. Like, and I don't want to stereotype, but they do all sound like different white people in sitcoms. Well, th- that's part of a broader issue where they're different alien races, but that doesn't inform anything. Yeah, I, I it doesn't inform anything because you don't have the context for what a what a uh what a gigantic flesh pile person named kurt is like i, I don't know what that means he just seems like uh, a dumb white guy <laughs> he, he seems <laughs> really like patrick star because he is we should yeah, get into it's this exactly patrick star uh yeah hello everyone welcome to the carton cast my name is ben my name is zane and this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults and today zane how are you ben I'm proud to be part of the Carton cast in space. Space, 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 space. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty obvious tag there. Of uh, yes, it's a regular show, but what if space? Um, Lloyd in space is the show we're talking about today. It is uh, it's was created by the Recess co-creators Joe and Paul. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce their last names. And so will be here. And Jermaine. <laughs> hey, and Sola B here. <laughs> I mean, we're all Sola B here. <laughs> that's that's a rude thing to say about someone's last name. And Paul Germain also helped create Rugrats, and both of those shows came before this, so it's just it's just hard to derivative. see how this happened. It's derivative, is, is what it is. Uh, you know, it, premiered... it's like it's like when Adam Sandler comes out with a new movie where he and his friends are just dicking around, and you're all like, right, okay, I'm glad it. you got a paycheck. How, yeah, how, how was Grown Ups not the end of this? <laughs> well, they had to make a grown-ups too. No, did they have to do that, Zane? <laughs> I don't think they did. Uh, this show premiered on in two thousand one on ABC TV on Saturday mornings, and it was relatively well received. Like apparently, the the network uh, found that it was doing better than they thought, and you know asked to create more episodes. Like within then we we are we are spoiled, and <laughs> we are adults who have watched a lot of cartoons, and just our bar is much higher now. Uh, and I think I guess you so. can get away with stuff like this because there's there's a lot going on in other cartoons, and this one's kind of calm and slow, and, you know, everyone can kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it, at the time, it did have a pretty successful run. It ran for four seasons from 2001 to 2005, but uh, I was... You know, I, I remember watching this coming home from school sometimes. Like, it was that uh, coveted, you can only see half of it on your way home from school because school lets out exactly at 3 and you get home at 3.15. That coveted, mm-hmm. you can see half of an episode slot. That uh, might make perfect sense because these episodes are about twice as long as they should be. I, I don't know if I feel that way. Like, I actually... Uh, I've never in, felt that way more. 
in in watching this show, I actually was kind of like surprisingly not disgusted. Like it didn't it didn't frustrate me as much as I had remembered it being. I remembered it being pretty pretty boring and pretty mm-hmm. rote. And what I found was it's like that's sort of true, but I actually think I gave it a little too little credit. And I'd be interested to talk about like it seems like you had a pretty hard a harder read of this show. It's serviceable. It's just you know coming coming right after Berserk and watching all of that and just like I didn't have the time to check out a whole bunch of these episodes, so I watched a few. Maybe they weren't the right ones, but uh, I don't know. I didn't feel like this has done anything that other shows didn't do better like even cat dog had some unique stuff to well, it cat dog had a really cool social ostracism message that we didn't anticipate mm-hmm. and also like the, the the notion of a cat dog is amazing <laughs> uh, but and you know this 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 has a lot of common dna with recess it is just recess in space how much does space do for it not a lot but it's still recess so Let, like let's, let's talk about space yeah as a as a um, creative concept yeah. right Sure, the sure. classic sci-fi, Star Trek. What War these Trek. allow us to do, <laughs> what these allow us to do, is to create new narratives, to take things that exist on the world, social elements or political arguments, and see them in a new context where, our, like our our vulnerabilities, our our defenses aren't up, and you can yeah. tell a story to relate back to you without feeling attacked. Um, yeah, so for instance, in Star Trek, you have this sort of manifest destiny notion, but it is like predicated with this prime directive of, hey, don't fuck around in people's environments. You're just there to go and learn, be responsible, you know, Americans, and like stop trying to like jump in and like <laughs> topple uh, regimes so that you can set up uh, uh, set up uh, proto governments that you can control. Like it. Mm-hmm. it if you were to try to make a show about that, that'd be a pretty hard sell, given that's uh, what our CIA d- has done for decades. <laughs> but but if you do it in the realm of like, this is just fantasy, this is space, this is like our world, but it's not quite our world, it's it's more palatable. It has that kind of live action to cartoon buffer in this in this new way. Yeah. So we, we, when we watched um, Ah Real Monsters, for example, yeah. that was a parallel society that existed that may have existed in our world um but their society informed them as being not human it it made sense here it is basically earth in space and they don't take advantage of all the things space does and because it's a cartoon like you said there's that buffer where weird shapes and creatures don't seem as weird or gross um and so it kind of loses something where another show that had a message or thought things through more, or was live action, you know, could have done a lot more with this concept. I, I think what you're talking about is a lack of like groundedness or relatability that you get, yeah. like, and that's where the show loses me as well, and why it's not as strong in my memory is just because nothing stuck. Because, I would... <laughs> like, I just, uh, you know, I, the way the thing that I was comparing this alongside was Doug, yeah. which. You know, very similar protagonist. He's kind of awkward. He's figuring puberty out and all that. And all of the different characters are off-color weirdos. And, like, the only thing that's different about this is that those off-color weirdos come with jokes that are specific to everyone's body types, which that feels that feels racist on a very regular basis in this show. (laughs) Every time that we go into school, someone, you know, says very unkind things about everyone's physiology. 
and that's it's an easy joke to make because and this is another like sci-fi hackneyed like 50s thing where every alien species has one characteristic and it's the basis of their entire society yeah well i mean that's that that is mostly true it also has that element of recess where we have to um in order for everyone to recognize the school archetypes we have to make them really obvious so uh you know you have the you have the Cindy Vortex of this show, you know, the, yeah. the cheerleader who's very self-obsessed, that kind of thing. and is Yeah, uh, yeah, stereotypes secret- as shorthand. They, they Stereotypes as shorthand, thank you. Yeah, yeah and, and they do those fine, because we, I, I'm not expecting particularly nuanced storytelling in, in my beat, in my off-one-off character things, but the whole, you know, every person is their race is yeah. a little, that's tired, <laughs> that's tired I, and it doesn't add anything. <laughs> And they don't do much else with this space idea. I would love like a coming of age slice of life show about growing up in middle school in space if it felt like it was in space. I, I'm not sure because like the more you lean into the space thing, the less the entire uh, the the less the entire context of the show actually makes any sense. Let me let me let me make a comparison, please. Harry Potter is one of the most successful franchises in the world. One of the better one of the better Potters. <laughs> let's rank our favorite pot let's not <laughs> what Pepper is the Potter? secret of you remember the uh, tony stark's weedsman weed smith girlfriend <laughs> pepper potter um there it at, at at its heart it is a coming of age story about someone who is finding their way in the world who has to stand up to the authority figures who people don't really understand who has to figure out who his real friends are and the magic world tells us a bit about his character and it tells us a bit about the adventures he's having but the the central values and messages are the same um this this doesn't have that i need i need to interrupt you i find i find the harry potter universe no more relatable than the lloyd in space universe (laughs) (laughs) but what about ron (laughs) i mean god bless elijah wood you're doing your best but i i can't really get there i can't uh elijah wood who am i thinking of I assume that you meant that as a joke. Uh, what, what's what's the other guy's name? Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, Mister Mister Cliff himself. Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> Do you think his middle name is Rad? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and his brother Heath. Um, <laughs> no, like I, I honestly, I don't really find Harry Potter that engaging. Uh, you know, I, I think it has a lot of the same problems that Lloyd in Space does, which is. Most of the setting is there for flavor and not really like the more you look at it, the less it makes sense. Like I remember reading that first Harry Potter book and getting really hung up on the notion of the nine and three quarters uh, station of like, do people just not pay attention to this kid running into a wall and disappearing? (laughs) Because there's clearly normies walking around. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and little moments like that, like. They're not a fault of the show, but they are signaling to me as the viewer, don't care about how the <laughs> how the world works in relation. Like, set aside your notions of uh, believability in your storytelling. Just, like, listen to what we want you to see or hear, yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, that's that's fine in and storytelling if, here, to if they don't explain the world building and everyone's just living in it because that's all they've ever known. But it doesn't diverge enough from what we already know to to have that sort of impact. I, I honestly think it does. Like, I, I don't think it... Uh, I mean, like, I didn't find it that that engaging. 
because I, right. I think that I think that simply by adopting that new uh, that new presentation style of in space, uh, you lose a lot of the relatability that made Doug very uh, made very made him very uh, well relatable. You know, Interesting. Made, made, it, it, made him fun. <laughs> it sounds like we're not sure whether or not they did too much or too little with this gimmick. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like maybe maybe we should figure that out as we get farther along. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. So, like yeah. we said, this is a show about a boy named Lloyd, uh, green space alien. You know, your classic alien archetype. Not not one of the grays, but one of the greens. Yes, he's um, uh, he's you know he's got a uh, he's got mostly humanoid proportions, so that he's pretty easy to relate to. He's got pointy elf ears. He's got like a a little dongle antenna, like uh, like piece from wizards. I've never saw him use it for anything. I, is it vestigial? Use, is it for mating? Is that his dong? No, I I think it's vestigial, or I, I think it's I think it's a, like a mating display thing. I think it's okay. uh, how you prove virility. Like I don't think I think he's got regular donger parts. I think yeah. this is just like, you know, it's it's like um, it's like eyeshadow for for ladies, right? Right, just, uh, right. This That's is where you a apply secondary. Yeah, you just put a bunch of eyeshadow on. on his, <laughs> you on his you stock. wrap a bow. Wrap mm-hmm. a bow around it, or maybe he's photosynthetic. Like maybe he's like from that one, uh, top, that that one uh, kids book called Top Secret, where you know this kid comes up with a, the chemical compound that turns people into plants. Oh yeah. See, this is the thing though: is he has these differences from a normal human, but he doesn't do anything different from a normal human. No, he's just a human that happens to be an alien. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he has, you know, he has a little bratty sister. He has a, a single mom who's trying to balance work and life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got these, you know, these boyhood chums. He's, who, he's got a butler. Who he's fulfill the, the archetypes. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a robot butler like we all aspire to. <laughs> yep. Yep. A little, little, you know. I how, love the uh, idea of a robot Alfred. butler who has only sass and no hands to help you with. <laughs> Zane, Halfred. How do we feel about that? Halfred? Yeah, put it together. Two thousand one oh, space. Like out. Hal, yeah, like IBM. And Alfred. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they just call Art. him Station because he's literally where they imagine living like the inside Station. of Alfred. No, the name Station is quite good. Like I think that's yeah. pretty good. And I, I or, like the way he animates. He's more like um he's more like C three PO, living inside three C three C C three PO. C three PO. Yeah. Um Yeah, it, he he kind of I mean he gave me Jarvis vibes more than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Just multi-purpose chum. Yeah, yeah. Just like uh, you use on uh, third-rate uh, fishing boats. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, you know, what is that, specialized chum? That's uh, uh, good for us now? Yeah, yeah, and everybody uh, on the boat, you can also, if you get hungry, eat some as a snack. Yeah, get some chum, good, rub it on your feet, get rid of your bunions. Well, I still don't think you know how bunions work, but that's a <laughs> conversation for another time. Uh, this show has a good amount of vocal talent, as it shows in the intro. I think I wanted to start with this because I think it's it's an interesting way to do an intro, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Which is, it starts with a 2001 Space Odyssey kind of like zooming in on a thing and like very ominous tones of space, like, <laughs> and then, you know, something falls down and crashes and it goes into like the standard Disney kind of kind of bop kinda, yeah i mean it, this is actually pretty popping like the the bass the synth like it all kind of works for me i got a lot of things to say about the synth in general but what i wanted to point out was in this intro boyd is kind of you know doing his doing his doug routine you know trying to he's uh, a like, dreamer talk. his head's in the clouds his head's in the clouds he, he just wants to be quail man 
quail alien. <laughs> in this um, case, the clouds are uh, below him, so he's just like head standing all the time. Yeah, rubbing his uh, head on the ground. That's what he uses his dongle for. Yeah, that's got to be it. It's it's uh it's like a metal detector. Yeah, for for clouds. But he he walks back like in the intro. Lloyd is trying to get out of his room to go play with his friends or something, and in the process walks past a bunch of established like high profile voice actors, which I think is yeah. like that's pretty good. Like that's a that's a good way to show us that hey, there's voices here you want to hear. Yeah, which I, 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 I didn't like the talking cool. all over it. Like I feel like that gets stale. If it, like if there was a marathon of this on, this oh, would get yeah. pretty grating. No, this is absolutely what Netflix skip intro was created for. <laughs> but like, I, I think that in the realm of, uh, you know, TV shows that you just kind of flipping through is you, you hear you hear a couple of these voices and they're pretty well established. I, I don't think I heard uh, Brian Doyle Murray's character in the opening, but I feel like that uh, that could have been good as well. And they're recognizable both in the sense that there's good talent there, but also in the sense that like, no one's here no one here is doing a voice they haven't done before it's all very familiar territory like we got the person who plays patrick star on spongebob and he's playing patrick, patrick star Sp- it sounds like him we have we got the, oswald like, from drew carey show he's just playing oswald if he was a stoner yep we have uh we have the teacher who's tress mcneil and she makes that like uh it's mom it's it's mom from from futurama if we yeah made her into a robot from futurama <laughs> it's, it's kind incredible. of comes full circle there yeah there's a lot of comparisons to futurama that are not favorable mm-hmm. um but yeah so yeah I, I think the voicing is generally fine i just wish there was something new yeah, it, it's. I just think that that's an interesting way to kind of start the show off is to have a bunch of high-profile voices. I, I agree with you that, like, I don't like people talking during my intro, especially if it has decent music. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I mean, I would have enjoyed it if a voice had, like, some distortion or some sort of effect on it just to add to the otherworldliness, but... Isn't there, like, a chorus with some distortion of Lloyd or something like that? Oh, I think that's just the background yelling at him. Oh, Okay, because this is a torment of his, of his own mind's making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, man. Okay, conspiracy theory. Lloyd is not in space. He's just a normal boy, but he imagines that he was in space. But Holy nothing's shit. actually nothing's what actually he's better. Eddie? <laughs> he's Eddie in his normal, like, sad trailer park existence. And he, like, <laughs> he, he dreams of being an alien and talking to him and having a friend who is him because he's he so actually... lonely. He doesn't actually understand what, like, aspirational dreams are supposed to be. It's just, like, everything's the same, but just kind of in space. Because that's, what, that's what's fun to him, is, like, yeah. a, a family dynamic that is, is positive and, like, <laughs> a, a female role model who can, you know, That's why everyone's a stereotype and no one has a cool voice. Yeah, yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Ben, we got to this pretty early. I'm pretty glad we did, because there's not a lot else, and I love Eddie so much. <laughs> why? We'll get there. I'll tell because you. Because he's just TJ again? Because he, well, every show needs a TJ? He's got a real good perv face on him that I'm pretty into. Um, anyway, to to run down the plot, uh, it's it's pretty simple. Kind of, you know, Doug, but in space as uh, this green alien thing. You know, it's Lloyd is the this 13-year-old boy. That's the first episode is him tur- turning, turning 13. It's a very clearly signposting, hey, this is a show about a coming-of-age show for a teen boy who doesn't yet know how to interact with the world around him so Mm -hmm. i have Um, a lot to say about lloyd and not a lot to say about anyone else so if we want to kind of chat up what else is going on in this show sure yeah we can we can kind of uh try to kind of 
talk about the general plot structure. I thought that the show actually had pretty decent, like, I'm kind of impressed by how cohesive the plot is with the message of each episode. Like, really? it's got, yeah, because it's got that Disney, like, trying to teach a lesson sort of flavor to it. See, I saw it as, like, yeah, there's a lesson and he learns it, but it's never quite the right lesson. I, I thought that, that like was there's like, a, um, hmm. like there's an episode where his little sister uh, keeps bothering him and his friends and wanting to hang out with them. And eventually they ditch one of their friends, the big dumb guy, to hang out with her and they go off and do their own thing. And eventually he he feels bad and he feels like he's being ignored now and that he's being usurped in his role as a big brother. And it turns out they were messing with him the whole time, trying to get him to realize this. And at the end of the episode, he realized like, oh, a big brother needs a little sister and a little sister needs a big brother. And that was the message he got from that. It's just not quite there. Let me, let me, let me uh, tell you about a couple of plot lines that I, I kind of encountered because okay. I, I was, I would be interested to watch that and see if I could maybe see something that you missed. Uh, not to put down your, uh, your skills at that. I just think that uh, I'm more able to see things that are hard to see in those, yeah. in those moments. So, uh, one of the episodes that I watched when I was trying to, when I was starting to put this idea together is, uh, you know, um, the, the message of the episode is that, uh, well, let me, let me start with the, 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 the plot line is that he's going to go to the school dance. Oh no, I got to find a date. You know, like, okay, it's pretty... yeah, I watch, I watched this one too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, the plot line, it's pretty standard. Two girls know. to the same date. What are we going to do? It's, no, well, I mean, that's sitcom. Here's like, the space save, twist. That's like saved by the bell kind of plots. The, 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 the Doug plot is, you know, his, him trying to go to, he's going to go to a pool party. And he feels that he's fat. You know, that's the Doug plot that uh, mm-hmm. this is kind of doing. Is like he needs to go to the dance because he's going to be socially ostracized if he doesn't. But he's like awkward. He goes to the dance with this two-headed girl. One head who is really nice. One head who's head who is really mean. And he eventually like gets sick of the mean one treating him like shit and yells at both of them. And they scamper off and. You know, his best friend, again, Eddie being a, a cool, cool guy, is like, hey, bro, you were kind of a shitbag. <laughs> like, you're sometimes mean also. <laughs> and Lloyd's like, why do you hang out with me? And he's like, well, because I really like that other side of you. And so, like, the entire plot structure of let's go out with this two-headed girl is a way for for him to engage with this idea of, like, people aren't just the parts that you like there's you know multiple sides to every person and it's worth engaging with the sides that you don't maybe get along with because you know that the person that you do like is there which is like just this good uh it's a good you know kind of plot theme interplay like it just it makes it feel very cohesive to me and i saw a couple of examples of that which if you want i I want to use that example real quickly because i watched it and this was another this, I think, proves my point <laughs> mm. that they're confused about the messaging. So the the problem with that is earlier in the episode, like, he's chatting with them and, like, oh, he really likes this one head of the girl because she's really cute and she's really sweet. Uh, but then he, like, has a lot of shared interests with the other one, too. Like, they like some of the same bands or the same shows or whatever. And, like, he gets along okay with both of them, actually, until the whole blowing up at them thing. And then when he goes to, like, apologize and ask them to dance, that idea of, like, 
oh, I like one half of you, but not the other one. Like, that's not that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is they both had something good. They, 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 they tried to have it both ways, and I feel like it was very unclear. I feel very capable of arguing that that also proves my point. <laughs> if you feel like it, I can, I could, I could walk you through it. But see, this is the thing. I think they wanted to make a show that is everywhere all at once. So I, maybe I it's pretty open to interpretation. Like in that example, I, I can still draw out a theme of like even the parts that you don't like about someone probably have qualities that you can enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I can imagine any number of messages you could get from that well, why don't you give me another example because uh, i, I want to kind of tease this out i didn't i didn't get to see enough of this because the episodes were a lot longer than i thought they needed to be sure let me let me get we give you one other example so this blew my goddamn mind from like an osha perspective like i don't know how this passed <laughs> like okay so the plot line you're gonna love this. So the plot line is that ineffectual bureaucrats at the school have installed a new safety security system that is a gigantic red button on the wall that if you press it, no glass covering, mind you, anyone can press it. In fact, the way they press it is accidentally tripping and hitting it. The button jettisons the classroom away from the rest of the school and they have to activate a homing beacon so that the rest of the school, which doesn't have, like, retrieval tools of any kind, will know that they need rescuing. This is, this is like a submarine plot from a classic book <laughs> that doesn't belong in this show. <laughs> no, no, again, with that Harry Potter, like, you know, train station thing, just, like, relax the actual sense of the entire moment <laughs> and let the, let the narrator tell you what's up. Um... You know, uh, the the Futurama robot teacher, for some reason, is incapacitated for this whole thing. And the... Magnets, probably. Agnes, yes. No, um, magnets. Oh, Agnes magnets, yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it was literally a short circuit. I get the feeling like they use her a lot for, you know, should be... There should be a responsible adult, but now there isn't because robot. Right. Um, which is a little ableist. In any case, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the overall message of the episode is... You know, in high school, in school, you tend to, like, congregate into groups. Like, here's the geeks, here's the nerds, here's the popular kids, here's the Mm -hmm. jocks, here's the whatever. Um, You know, it's very Breakfast Club. It's very recess. It's very Breakfast Club and recess, yes. Uh, Oh, do they have to work together to solve the problem? uh, They they do. And, you know, that's a fairly obvious kind of resolution to the entire thing. But if you think about, like the isolation of the classroom from the rest of the school and in the context of like isolated groups from the con- congregation of the entire classroom not really working that well and the fact that you know all the ineffectual bureaucrats don't actually know what they're doing in terms of like getting this classroom back because they can't actually talk to the classroom because the system wasn't set up well like there are there is kind of collinearity between the plot that they are doing and the theme that they are telling and like Uh i know that it's not one-to-one and i know the fact that it's in space muddles it all to hell (laughs) but it's not nothing you know it's enough for me to engage with intellectually yeah i mean it's it's like even the two the two the the girl with two heads thing you you recognize that even if it is if they undercut their own point you know that's still correlation in a negative direction Right. Yeah, no, it's it's a soft show that bends to any interpretation. But the point is there's enough there to bend to that interpret. You couldn't have like the two-headed girl in the episode 
with the jettison from space. Like, they're, they're, like the the plot and the theme doesn't don't, they don't work together. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, I, mean, I, I agree. With each other. I agree that it, it allows for it's flexible enough that at the end of the episode you can say a moral and the kids will be like, okay, I see that that related. But I don't think like it's not focused enough to give me something that feels like they've earned it. Oh, if that makes they, sense. Yeah, never <laughs> mistake my, you know, surprised impression of this show as like, I, I'm not conceding that the show is focused in any way. I don't, I don't condone what they did here. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't sign off on this. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm impressed that given it's a Disney show that I barely remember and don't remember fondly, that they tried at least a little bit to get this yeah. plot and this theme to work together. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I, I agree. It's, it's serviceable. Okay. Okay. The, I, I think we can move on. <laughs> let's, let's get back to that. Eddie is a is, is a sad boy. <laughs> Plotline. Uh, you wanted to talk about Lloyd. I want to talk about everybody but Lloyd. Oh, I thought you wanted to just talk about Lloyd. I mean, I have a lot to say about him. I'm getting confused. I'm getting mixed messages here because you're saying the exact opposite of what you're also saying. Okay. Can can you walk me through what you mean? <laughs> My thought was I have a lot to say about him, so we should explain like the other characters first to give us a grounding. Oh, but it I sounds like we've so we've talked about enough of the plot lines where we can kind of dig into who Lloyd is. I guess I can try. So, I I'm used to slice of life, you know, uh, coming of age stories to have a character that has some sort of like rich inner life. Um, but here he's just kind of regular kid. Everything else is just a function of the setting. He's a regular kid in space. He makes mistakes. He apologizes. He learns a little, but never enough. Sure. I, I would say it's enough. Like, in the framework of the episode, like, he, you know, gets into a lot of trouble and then learns his lesson, and now he's out of trouble. I think he is a genuinely bad person. I don't think he's good, but I think that led, led, lends him some uh, some grit. Like the amorality of childhood, you mean? Something like that. Like, I mean, the very first episode is him trying to figure out what it means to be a man, and he does learn by the end of the episode, but he's also, you know, kind of shitty up until that end. But that's the thing, right? So, like, he has a conscience, but it doesn't kick in until he can't do anything about the situation. So? Well, he he doesn't accomplish anything. Like, he, he does damage control at the end, but that could just be a PR move. Like, I mean, he, we don't want to be graded on the accomplishments of, like, a 13-year-old. Like, that's kind of, that's kind of no, a fucked up he, uh, No, this rubric. is a fundamentally... Uh, uh, this is a a bad way to approach the world because he feels bad, he wallows, he demands sympathy from the audience and from his friend, but he's still doing bad things, and even when he realizes he's being bad, he can't stop himself from lashing out. Like, I didn't see him ever come to a realization in time to do the right thing. I yeah, I mean, like that 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 might be allowance for the standard sitcom plotline of we have to have the climax, and then after the climax is the resolution. If you have the resolution before the climax, the climax doesn't really max. Well, it's it's not just that. It's you know you think about like uh, you know Pepperan or something where there's a whole bunch of antics and she messes stuff up and has to apologize, but at least some of the time she's trying to do the right thing and it just doesn't work. Well, I mean, I don't know if you can claim that that isn't the case for Lloyd. I, I, think I didn't maybe see a he's, lot, but... He's certainly less likable. Like, I don't like Lloyd <laughs> very much, but I, I I was pretty sympathetic toward his, uh, you know, uh, teen... Like, he's no Doug. Doug, this bastion of goodness, this... Uh, <laughs> he, he is just concerned Patience, with wanting to be a good guy. speed. Lloyd is not, uh, not, not as concerned with trying to be a good guy. He's definitely prone to feeling bad when he is guilty of things, which I think is as... 
I don't know that in in a way I think that is more realistic, like more relatable than Doug I, is. I think he is relatable, but I I think he is not relatable in a way where we can see ourselves in him and then want to do better. It just feels like an excuse for doing the shitty things. Where like, oh yeah, it's totally fine that you judge your friends for any deviation of your ideals of what a teen boy should be doing with his time. I don't know. Do you remember that one episode of Arthur, which I, I found some similarities with this show with? Where uh, this show is very similar to Arthur. Yeah, where where Arthur has the show revolves around him bullying this other girl and not realizing that he's bullying her because he thinks it's all in all in fun and games. Oh yeah, yeah. You remember that? And like by mm-hmm. the end of the episode, everyone's like, "Why are you such a dick?" Um, <laughs> and then he like raises that black power fist. I'd, I'd only sort of remember that meme, so forgive me if I'm getting a few details wrong. But in any case, like, I I think that Lloyd hits, like, kind of a similar place for me where, like, he's sometimes, like, the, in, in these kid shows, you always have, like, the people whom are trying to be good and the people whom are there as a foil for how you shouldn't act. Mm-hmm. And I think I like that Lloyd is sometimes the one who you shouldn't act like. Yeah, it definitely adds to our idea that this is Eddie's dream. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're like, Eddie's the good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so his misguided friend who's messing up because he's not as cool as me. Yeah, and, and I, I I, think I might be overselling it, and I'm sorry that I'm putting you in the position of defending this show. That's okay. Because, um... I yeah, found it, it just, fairly easy to defend. It's just like, it, I, I, I don't want to praise it for much, but I'll defend it. It's just, it doesn't do anything for me. Sure, and and the problem is that like Lloyd is fairly unlikable as a character. Like, yeah. uh, I I just he just doesn't do it for me as much as Doug does. Does Doug is a little bit more like eccentric. Lloyd I feels feel, very by the books, coming of age boy. I feel like Lloyd is a character in a flashback from a good movie where the character like this is when we see why he's so messed up and then oh, like he finds Grandpa redemption Steely later. Phil? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, what I do like about Lloyd is that they lean into that immaturity arc pretty frequently and mm-hmm. not always just in plot ways, but like also in his mannerisms and his uh, his character model. Um, looking at him, you know, he's very lanky. I, I get the feeling like he's just hit his growth spurt. Uh, the mm-hmm. phrase that comes to mind is all ears and elbows <laughs> is, is what I could only is the only thing I could think of when I was looking at him, which is that's I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that the character proportions are quite good. No, this, I definitely, I, I think the character models in general are a, are a highlight of the animation. He also, like, a lot of his dialogue is clearly stuff that he picked up from TV. Because, and like, yeah. I, you know, I've seen him watching TV in a few, like, he seems like someone who, you know, his, he's got a single mom who has a high profile career that she needs to sometimes put ahead of her family, which, you know, that's a good detail. Uh, I feel like he was raised by TV in a lot of ways, or at least raised by pop culture. Yeah, and he's using it to try and find his identity. You know, he's trying things out. He doesn't actually know what they mean. No, no. Like, in the first episode, he kind of recites what he (laughs) thinks of as this is what manly men mean. Mm -hmm. But, like, when he's talking to Eddie about, like, like, hey, what are you going to do for your birthday? I think I'll uh, I think I'll relax with a nice, you know, 1937 vintage uh, <laughs> Pinot Noir and kick back and watch Matlock. Like, he says a bunch of stuff that's just antiquated old person bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's it's clear that he learned that from TV, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or, like, there's an episode where his mom goes out on a date and he stands by the door. And when they come back in, he says, like, where have you been? All, like, like... 
Like, yeah, where have reversal. you been all night? I thought you were going to be back hours ago. Yeah, and like clearly he has watched some sort of sitcom where that has come up. Yeah, I think that's a good detail. I think I get the distinct impression that he was kind of raised by TV. It's also reflected in the way he talks, uh, his, his like distinct vocal tick, which I don't know how much you saw of this, but he says and junk a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he doesn't actually know what he's saying and sometimes defaults to like, it's going to mess all a bunch of stuff up and junk. Like, yeah. There, there seems to be a bit of slang to him that he he's, doesn't actually know how to relate concepts strong strong emotions but generic like things that you say indicates that you're looking for affection and affirmation but you just you don't know how to get it right and and some of the behavior of like him being the bad guy and until he kind of learns his lesson i think that can also kind of play into this character of who's looking for an identity and lashes out maybe because of his single parent kind of home life I, mm-hmm. I think that there's, like, enough here that, like, it, he seems like he's not a troubled youth in, like, kind of the uh, stigmatized sense of the word, but, like, he's got some he's got some emotional issues to work out, and uh, it's, yeah, it's hard for him. He's damaged like all of us in some way. Yeah, I thought you were going to say he's damaged goods, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> he's No, he's damaged junk. He's, he's damaged junk and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I didn't think that he was, like, as complex as doug but I, I found that he worked at least given the fact that he's this dumb space alien thing that doesn't need to be a space alien like I, every time you look at the space element of this it's total trash yeah i i guess i can see that i i don't know if they did more to sort of build up his character i just sort of only saw the end result where in the moment he makes the wrong decision I, and i know that that hits you a very particular weakness of yours or maybe not weakness <laughs> but like so it's damn pressure kids. point yeah, those damn kids. Making being, bad choices. Making bad decisions. Like, Cutting not, up my lawn. Not using the 25 years of experience that all kids have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his friends are kind of a mixed bag for me that I think is worth discussing for a moment. Yeah, you know, like, this is your standard, like, oh, you know, I got me and my buds. We got Smarto, Dumbo, Coolo, and, and me. Well, uh, like, is Eddie an archetype? I, Eddie is something. Okay. I, I don't think Eddie is anything. Like, no, let's, let's 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 explain this a little bit. So he's, he's got, the good foil. Okay, so we've got kind of the extraneous. You get the feeling like Lloyd and Eddie were friends since childhood, and like these are the new kids that they met mm-hmm. in middle school. Like I get the sense that these are the new kids in the crew. You know, yeah. they like they don't have the same history as Eddie, but they're all still kind of part of the gang. I don't know if you got yeah, that. Yeah, impression. yeah, yeah. You get to you get to middle school, and now there's the bullies are larger, so you need a larger posse. I, I understand. Okay, yeah, like that's the impression I got. Uh, and his crew is Douglas, who is a brain with feet, whom I didn't like. Uh, Kurt, who is like this big jellyfish star, uh, Patrick Star, who I also didn't like. And then Eddie, who is like. A guy from Joyzy, and this is Eddie Wheeler, right? Yeah. This is like Captain Planet guy. The, yeah, this is a uh, this is Captain Planet uh, a Wheeler kind of stuff, or like Joey from Yu Gi Oh. He's he's got kind of those mannerisms, and he's not a single adjective person like the other two are, and that's very strange because mm-hmm. it means that there's doing they're doing a couple of things with this friendship dynamic. They're because the the brain and the big guy are just there for kind of jokes and to round out the group, mm-hmm. and he is there for a reason, and I don't know what the reason is. I got the sense that Eddie, like, like they were in the same class, but Eddie was toward the older side and Lloyd was toward the younger side, and so like, 
Eddie's been like he's done he's made all the mistakes that Lloyd is now making I never saw a situation where Lloyd had been through something that Eddie is now going through it really reminded me of Hey Arnold where like you know the extraneous kids like Chocolate Boy and Stinky Peterson like those are the other friends in the posse but this is Gerald like this is yeah, uh, this is Lloyd's there there's something there and he's kind of his own complete character I uh I think that an interesting detail is that he very strongly evokes the tones of like and I don't know how okay this is to say, but like I, I guess I said it already before. He feels like he lives in a trailer park if those are exist in space. Uh, yeah, like a little bit more grounded, a little bit more knows his way around town kind of thing. He's isn't he? He he reminded me of like Eric Matthews from uh, Boy Meets World. He he just sort of he, like do you need more you know what worldly I'm or not? Eric Matthews. Uh, wait, which one was the brother and which one was the friend? Oh, Sean well, or I Eric? I don't know. <laughs> I'm talking about the friend because the friend lives in the trailer park and has only a dad and no mom. And like very occasionally we see glimpses into his personal life and he kind of, yeah, I don't he, know. He, I feel like it's a similar. He grew up faster than the others. Yes. Out of necessity. Sure. And like he's got kind of that, uh, bre- again, breakfast club. He's got that criminal mentality of like, don't peek too hard into my personal life. You're not going to like what you see. And I don't like what I see. Mm-hmm. So back off. Like, we never really focus I, on him, and I feel like that's the reason. I never saw that kind of edge. To me, like, the boys were always joking around, and then, you know, Lloyd would say, like, yeah, you know, and those dumb girls or whatever, and Eddie would be like, you you know, we don't actually believe that, right? Like, <laughs> like I feel like he's just a little more aware of what's going on. Yeah, he's, he, uh, like, like you said, he kind of had to grow up a little faster. I do think that they are probably the same age, but he's just, you know, by necessity, he has to be a little older mature he's a little more mature i guess and is, is i think my point. because of that we don't really see his adventures that much no but i i think that's i think that's cool like i think this is uh i don't think that he's you know you you tried to describe him as the cool one just as kind of a way to get you know the the basis of their interactions i don't feel like it's that one note i feel like he he and lloyd have like a pretty strong he's a strong character in his own right i think what did he get out of his friendship with Lloyd? What does he get out of it? Yeah. I feel like he kind of views him as a little brother. Yeah. Maybe. Or, or I didn't you... see it like that. I saw it as like, yeah, this is my buddy. I am the dominant. He is the subdominant. Maybe. Maybe it's a status thing. It could also be the fact that he is the other, like, maybe he sees Lloyd as like the most relatable. He's a human. I guess we should, we should we should state that. Yeah, this is a person ass person. Yeah, this is, from Joyzy. Yeah, this is a person from Joyzy. I I would really love to see his backstory when his <laughs> planet was like assimilated by the Galactic Federation, headed by Lloyd's mom. And like, listen, this is World War Five. Your your numbers up, motherfuckers. Like, you can't govern yourselves anymore. Oh, canonically, Lloyd in space takes place after World War Nine. Does does it really? Uh huh. That's, that's amazing <laughs> yeah and it just never comes up never comes up i i don't know like uh, i get the feeling like he is uh he is like a embarrassed reminder of humanity's uh subservience to like this greater galactic coalition <laughs> where are you getting these details well because like, he's just such a, he feels like it's weird that they put any humans in like you could very easily just have Lloyd be the human, but no, they have mm, to- token human. I, I don't know. It just it feels weird to me that they put a human in and then don't explain <laughs> how humanity well, found all these other races. Then, so this this segues nicely. It's weird that they include a human because they don't do the whole like alien 
races have different traits and that informs their culture. They don't do that and that makes the choice of having a human there uh, obsolete because everyone's always already a type of human. I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I feel like they really shine a spotlight on the fact that, hey, we are different races. Let me, let me, let's compare this to Futurama. All right. Um, the desert world, Trisolia, the people are made up of liquid. Mm-hmm. They're, they're people, they act like humans, they act like humanity, but their characteristics informed their culture, like their government, their, their style of governance. Yes. It, it makes sense with who they are. It tells you something about, you know, why they've structured society that way. Here, it's just like, Oh, you know, we're we're brain people, and uh, as brain people, we're smart, but that doesn't change the way we live at all, and that, to me, takes me out of it. Here's the thing. We don't see their culture. Because Lloyd is our point-of-view character, and he's self-absorbed. And because the, the place where we spend most of our time is in this melting pot of, uh, you know, a bunch of people in the same school, all from different... Like, I can imagine the series that was much more a Star Trek style of you know, uh, visiting different planets each time and kind of taking mm-hmm. in their culture and that informs this. That's not what this was, at least not in the episodes that I saw. But like, yeah, I think that what you are noting is not a thing that this show as it exists could necessarily deliver. I just, why is it in space? I, I don't know. Like, I, like I, it feels gimmicky. Like, think about Lloyd's room where we see him, you know, in the intro and we see him occasionally. It's just, uh, it's, it's just a normal bedroom that's in space. There's nothing space bedroom about it. You know, it's not like on Firefly where, oh, you know, we're limited by the amount of material we can launch. It doesn't do a lot of narrative work in its uh, in its storytelling to kind of justify. But I think, you know, again, with the Harry Potter thing, like the, the more you talk about it, the less it's going to make sense. So like maybe it's kind of wise that they just don't bring attention to the fact that all these different races because imagine imagine the, the the scenario wherein we explain all of the different cultures of the brain the brain foots or whatever like is that really going to satisfy you in this show no i i don't mind it for a narrative reason i mind it because it indicates that they didn't care that much yeah i mean like i, I don't and think it, they would have and there's like there's a lack of polish throughout the show there's so many conversations where they're just saying the same thing back and over to each other I didn't find that it was the conversation. I agree that there's a lack of polish, but I, I think it's just because it was, let's just do recess again. We've got all these different character <laughs> models. Might as well might as well put a show together. I, I guess I just didn't have as much of a problem with it. it like, I, I accepted it on its face. and maybe. What do, what do you think the best thing about the show is? You know, I, I, think that the, I think the main part that it breaks down is in, like, the relatability. Like, it, it loses me in terms of trying to get me to believe it's setting, and mm-hmm. I don't find lloyd's plights to be all that relatable like i find them interesting but i don't find him that relatable um because you're not a teen anymore i'm because i'm not in fucking space dude like it's (laughs) that was the issue well yeah because like that's where the the reason that it loses me is that doug's circumstance are all pretty banal facets of teenager existence you know he deals with addiction of a of a video game. He deals with mm-hmm. uh, one of his classmates cheating on him. He deals with that pool party. Like, these, these are all pretty, like, standard plot lines, but they exist in a cul-de-sac that I can kind of relate to. They happen also in Lloyd in space, but they all happen with this veneer of, and then also, and, and you know, the, the they all happen with, like, this space story around it that they mm-hmm. feel the need to use because that's where they are. That's where all, that's where the skin leads them to kind of talk about. And, you know, invariably... 
if we're talking about, you know, we all have to get along, and the way that they're going to tell that in the plot is, let's jettison part of the school off from the rest of it. What part of that am I going to be able to relate to? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like the way that it coheres narratively with the theme of the episode, but the narrative just does not connect to me one-to-one. I really have to go out of my way to, like, look for those things that I can relate to. And I think that's why it was, you know, somewhat popular is because if you have an audience for whom the issues are at least somewhat relatable, then the space is just like, like, that's just a little extra. That's just a little some some gimmickry, a little bit of variety. But the, the you know, generic serviceable slice of life show, if that's enough for you, this is fine. This it, works. The ideal viewer is someone who enjoys the space stuff and does not focus on it in terms of like what it how it makes sense yeah but which, but which might have been forget, my defense mechanism in you watching never forget this. that it's like the new star trek movies where it's just an action movie in space <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe so um i think that it so like i think that those are like that's the best part of this show and the part that's hardest kind of in both in one is that they 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 marry the plot and the theme of each episode pretty good but the plot actually doesn't relate to me and I love Eddie. Like, I mean, that got me, like, that that gave me a lot of goodwill for this show. Eddie is surprisingly good. I, I love his, like, like just, just his charm. Yeah, he's always smirking. He's he's, <laughs> he's like a disciple of the Fonz or something. He's he's just got, like, this charisma to him. Very Fonzarelli. Yeah, very the very Fonzarelliest. So, I um, just on the topic of the uh, alienness, I think that the different character models and the fact that, like, everyone is some variety of alien uh, alleviates one of the problems that I have in a lot of shows like this, which is just all the random side characters are usually boring. Here, just the fact that they're aliens livens them up enough to uh, to make them more palatable. It it does in some circumstances. More often than not, I just kind of got pissed off at how lazy the char- like the the alien work was. Like oh, like bra- the like the writing of them or the way that they look. The I guess both. Like it, it depends on the character. <laughs> like I, I like the one delinquent uh, in class who is you know, pretty clearly just a, you know, a a 50s greaser guy if he was an alien. Um, But like, you know, brain with feet. Nope. I don't like that. Like there's no, (laughs) there's, he's not going to, he's not going to fix this. There's no fixing him. Like, uh, you know, it's the reason that he's there like that is because he needs to be a one adjective character. And uh, it just does not, it's not going to get there for me. When I was watching this earlier, Chrissy looked over and was like, is that a brain? I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's not like a skin condition. Like, that's just kind of what their people are. They're brain people. Yeah, and that's... They do brain people things. And that's really dumb. You know, and that that's... I, I really... It's lazy. It's lazy, and it's like... It, it missed an opportunity that's very easy to exploit. Right, and... For the purposes of the stereotype, like, conveying information to dumb children. Right. Consider the alternative to this, where it's not just a brain with feet who happens to be smart. Let's Let's envision a character that's better. Where it's like a Eddie or a Lloyd that is like vaguely humanish proportions. Maybe their race is known for being particularly smart. Maybe they see in four dimensions and that gives them better math or something. I don't fucking know. Maybe they're the ones with two heads, but they're only smart when they combine them together. Uh, like, uh, like, let me do my gimmick first. You could do yours. <laughs> you could do. Oh, like I thought we were building. I th- I'm sorry. I thought we were a team. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's, <laughs> no, that's, please okay. go We're ahead. very different heads here. But like. If he's just a smarter than average thing, maybe he can have this kind of uh, Tish from the Weekenders person persona where, like, yes, they are smart. They also feel the pressure of needing to be smart because of these pressures placed upon them because of, like, the way their race is seen. 
Mm-hmm. Boom. That's like much better character. But if it's just they, brain with feet and you never <laughs> express it as anything other than brain with feet, like it's it's just it's Well, they do that in the debate episode, don't they? Where where he feels pressure to win because Lloyd is just kind of taking up space on the team. Yeah, I I don't feel like it does. But then, but then it's not an internal thing. It's not oh, I feel inadequate, I need to prove myself, or, oh, I, I feel uh, social pressure. It's, oh, my partner had to quit, I had to grab Lloyd, and now I gotta do twice the work. Like, it's Lloyd's fault, and that robs the character of growth. If, if it looks like a normal person who has that struggle, yes. If it looks like a brain, I'm never going to envision the possibility that he is anything other than, I am intellectual, and I want to be intellectual. And and the bar is higher for him because like, yeah, there's big dumb blob guy, but I love big dumb blobs. It's just the character models tell me more than the characters. Yeah, because uh, like, and when I'm watching a show, generally, especially when I'm taking notes, I'm trying to figure out like what what motivates this character. And when I look at Douglas, I'm like, there's nothing else to it. Like it, the model tells me stop thinking about this. The model um, and- tells me. This is what this character is. Don't think harder about it. This is all you're going to get. And it's all I did get. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's a good enough philosophy. Yeah. And Douglas is voiced by uh, Pamela Hayden, who also voices Milhouse. Think about what a good character Milhouse, Milhouse is. is great. Because he is the same kind of butt monkey, I know a couple of things, you know, kind of protagonist. He's not super smart the way Douglas is, but like... There but is why is that a, a good character trait for Lloyd to interact with? There is a desperate sadness that makes him interesting to watch. Yeah, and, and to to be totally fair, he did have like a lo- much longer run time to develop as a character, and even within that, he got pretty hard, like flanderized pretty hard from the show that made flanderization a thing. Mm-hmm. But like, so they know what they're doing. Even with his inception of "I am Bart's sad friend," who is clearly, you know, the sad one. Mm-hmm. It, it's. It's it like it says more about Bart than Douglas says about Lloyd. Yes. Like the most that yep. he says is are these friends? are losers. That's that's as much as I get from their friendship. Makes you wonder why Eddie's hanging out with them. I I don't know. Like I feel like uh I feel like Eddie is like ostracized from all the all the aliens. Like I I maybe they I don't know. I can see this society being ones like humans are fucking gross do, and weird. Do you think when Eddie's writing his fan fiction where he's a self-insert character yes. that is Lloyd in space and he's just putting his friends from school in there like and he never bothered to learn a whole lot about them so they're kind of single issue you know, single characteristic people. Yeah. Uh, but he made himself cooler and he didn't do that for his friends. And, and he also like, like, uh, volleyed himself up as like the target of social ostracism because everybody else has this thing that he can't share in. And yeah. in Lloyd in space, that is the fact that they're all aliens. And in this, uh, in this, uh, in, in real life, it's all the fact that they have moms. Uh, I did want to talk about the distinction between race and species. Okay. Because this is a thing that a lot of shows try to do, and I feel like it never really works. <laughs> yeah, when they try and do like a one-to-one thing where you are taking an analog to a thing and just saying what the analog is. So like, oh, you know, this this show has fish people, but they're, you know, this race, and they eat this, which is like what that race eats traditionally, stereotypically. So like... 
it's not adding anything. It's not telling us anything about the experience. It's not using it as a vehicle to tell that kind of story. Yeah. Like I said, like I said, when you put something in space, you have the opportunity to convey something to an audience that doesn't have their defenses up. Right. And and this is just not going to get to the right places. Like, I'm thinking in, in District 9, like, we had a pretty clear, uh, you know, dehumanization of an alien race. And that is like mm-hmm. a pretty clear, uh, especially given the kind of the war-torn conflict of the the humans versus whatever the aliens were called in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it doesn't work because you go into it knowing that that is the uh, allegory. Well, I think it works better than it works in this. Oh, yeah. Because like it's using alien as this is a sentient creature that is very much like me, except in some superficial ways. But yeah. in this show... They, you know, it's back to what I was saying is like, they're all a bunch of different races that are all just kind of white people, but with different, <laughs> they they don't register it's to confused. me. They're all humans, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're all kind of white people in different archetypes, but like the fact that they are different races doesn't inform any sort of uh, conversation of diversity and inclusion in the way that I think that it purports to. Yeah, yeah, because it's... You know, coming from Recess, where they, they kind of did a better job with this, it was never perfect, but they at least, you know, uh, uh, gave lip service to the idea that, oh, somebody uh, of a different race who was raised in a different way might have different pressures put upon them. Okay, sure. great. We can explore it. It's still, you know, written by a white guy who doesn't fully understand it, but it's something. Yeah, it's like Gerald. Gerald from Hey Arnold, similar Gerald. thing. Uh, in this, like, I, you know, it, it, you, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of name calling in, in the classroom settings about, like, you know, you're trying to, and, and it also does, uh, here's the big problem with it, and it's just a logistical one. If you are trying to make fun of a person because of their species in this setting, you're never, there's no uniformity of species amongst like, there aren't two of the same species in any given class. Like, if you're just being racist, right. you're going to be racist against literally every other person. That Yeah, they, so they like, might as well be mutants. You're essentially, at that point, when you're saying, hey, move it, blobhead, you are not talking about the fact that he's a blobhead. What you're talking about is the fact that he's got a big head. You're talking about the fact that he, the only person who is a blob in this school and possibly in existence, happens to be blocking your path. It, it's Yeah, so it, it doesn't really have the context of a... Uh, of like a racially diverse ca- it, it, I think it and purports to but it just doesn't it isn't actually there yeah well that's actually less bad than if they had leaned in but still didn't say anything about it I don't like, know they, what like the- they're not trying to tell you anything there's no message there it's 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 just a weird thing like it's I see it enough in Disney shows where like they try to have this diversity angle that is uh is couched in this buffer of space mm-hmm. you know but uh, I I don't i don't know what they were going for and i don't know if there's a better way to do it all i know is that it made me feel kind of kind of weird to watch them kind of flirt with this diversity approach without ever really being able to to handle it well Mm -hmm. i also wanted to 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 note a logistical like nightmare in and this is one of those things where like if you think about the space part of it too much don't like it's just gonna fucking fail but like this is the same thing as Arthur, where, like, there's very, there's no interbreeding, like, you know, <laughs> is is the thing, is every single character that we see, with the exception of maybe Lloyd and Eddie, has a female counterpart in a different class that they need to hook up with. 
And, and like, if you ever look at a set of their parents, they're the only other two of that species in the known universe. Exactly. And it's like, oh, did like the grand intergalactic alliance just happen? But we're not going to explore that topic at all. <laughs> that or like some crazy like enforced breeding kind of habits uh-huh. on the fa- on the on the part of the government. Because like if you run into Douglas, the the Brain Man's parents, it's not going to be like a you know a, a were coyote and a goat person. It's uh, it's two brain people, right? You know, it's a uh... so like if they are going for like uh, if they're going to try to go for a diversity inclusion angle. It fails when you ever, whenever you look at the home life of any of these people. And you yeah. know what does this way better is BoJack Horseman. BoJack Horseman. Because uh, if, you know, if, if you're a turtle and the other person's a cat, your children will be one or the other. Yeah, one or the other or like something that isn't either one and who gives a shit. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because like, and that, that is within the logistics that they set up in BoJack Horseman. Whereas like... It kind of requires additional logistics in Lloyd in Space to not have that happen. It's it's clearly just to spice up the character models and the setting because and, and I think that's fine. If you are trying to say something, plan it out ahead of time. I could see them having a very special episode where like you assumed that uh Kurt's parents were two big blob people and one of them is a big blob person and then a, another one is like more different eddie you know like oh oh you like eddie's mom like they're half brothers oh yeah well kind of <laughs> that'd be a really special relationship that you could be his very big brother mm-hmm. yeah uh, but but like I, I think that that would have been an interesting and in fact they did do that in one episode i remember well they, they flirted with this idea where um oh gosh uh lloyd's mom uh is shown to be this badass like commander of like this Battlestar galactica uh uh edward james almost kind of commander <laughs> yeah uh but then an electrician comes in and like uh and it's the same race as lloyd um and you know she and he start going out and eventually lloyd fucks everything up because that's what he does but it's revealed by the end of the episode that that was just a mask to make everybody else on, on the space station feel better about it he's actually a different race and one that looks kind of gross and it was just like to make Lloyd more comfortable, but the mom knew about it the entire time. Everybody else just kind of freaks out at the way this guy looks. So he's like, I'm just, I'm just going to make myself look like you. And, and what was work. the moral? What's that? What was the moral of that story? Um, I think just don't, like, I think it was your standard. Don't judge a book by its cover. Like, I, I think there was probably, I didn't, this was the tail end of my watching it. <laughs> you know, it feel it feels like a real missed opportunity. Like you can write a you could write a high school book report on this, but you couldn't do a college report on this. No, like I mean, it's got a bunch of people basically, like a, a almost like an equivalent of mob a mob with pitchforks running around the space station chanting "monster." So, oh, geez, no, that's way worse. Yeah, that's, it, it's like if they wanted it's to also engage, like, it turns the message from like hey, we should be accepting of people, you know, marrying across the races. And it becomes just like, as long as you're not in a mob, you're fine. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it lowers the bar. It lowers the bar a lot. Like, I'm not, like, again, it's it's got, like, the framework of you could tell more expansive stories about it, but, like, the, the focus was not there. And the focus isn't there because they're never going to be able to measure up to the galactic challenge of trying to make this setting work because it won't because it's space and <laughs> it, it just can't no it really can't it, it's a gimmick without a leg to stand on 
Yeah, I, I didn't really have much of a point in bringing up that race thing. It just was kind of a thing that occurred to me. No, that's worth bringing up. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> that it got it, to the pitchfork stage. They didn't literally do pitchforks, but like Lloyd was like, my mom's dating a monster. And everyone takes him at his word because monsters are bad. And how, <laughs> how can that possibly... One, that word should either be a slur. It should. Or it should just be a synonym for person. <laughs> yeah, like... If, if they bothered to world build... It, which they didn't, obviously. Like, uh, I, I think that at one point, like, there's very, sl- there's very subtle hints of humans being kind of on the on the on the lower end of the totem pole. As far uh-huh. as like, I, I get the I get the feeling like there's some sort of unspoken hierarchy of races, but I, I never <laughs> really was able to to narrow in on that too much. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seemed like Lloyd's race was kind of in charge. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. I mean, his mom is literally in charge of yeah, something. Commander, Unclear like, what? Commander Space of Fleet. Star Command. Yeah, Space Force. Yeah. This is. Uh, these were the new uniforms. <laughs> this is the worst timeline. <laughs> I hate this fucking timeline. Eddie, do a redo. <laughs> Stop tripping on mescaline and and dream us, oh, yeah, dream us like a better Eddie, society. Eddie abandoned his like pro-social fan fiction writing and just went on reddit all day <laughs> yep <laughs> and he has johnny in the cornfield powers which is how all of this how of our actual reality came to pass we should probably not criticize this show as much then <laughs> maybe not <laughs> like he's gonna he's gonna get wise um, um yeah. yeah so, so I, I, want... I have a couple of animation details yeah please uh I, I kind of find the aliens pretty uninteresting from a character model. Like, I, I've already talked about how the models tell us not to pay attention to what the races could be. It, it is most often that any given person is going to be roughly humanoid, random color, do something with the hands, do something with the eyes. Yeah. That's about it. And I'm kind of torn between finding that a very uh, narrow view on what you can do with an alien and a uh, and and finding it much preferable to the brain with feet kind of mode of depicting aliens, which means that I'm just going to get a gimmick character. It is weird that everyone's vaguely humanoid, and then there is brain with feet. Well, no, no, not everyone, because there's also like amoeba people, and all they do is gurgle, and like Ooh. you know that's that's the gimmick, right? I like there's, that. I, I like it in isolation, but <laughs> it just means that like whenever I'm looking at something that isn't humanoid, I don't have to pay attention to it because mm-hmm. it, it's not gonna get any lines it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna talk to me at all in any way that yeah matters. they're lower on the hierarchy they don't get I, a speaking role yeah yeah a little bit i, I kind of um another show that or another thing like bojack horseman that does the race thing really well is um is saga you've mentioned this before yeah i've definitely like one of the best graphic novels i've ever read easily um that has a society that has a bunch of different races. They don't interbreed, and that reason is highly political, which makes mm-hmm. it cool. Um, you know, it's it's or like uh, th- this novel I read a long time ago, Perdido Street Station. There's, uh, you know, it's sort of frowned upon to kind of date outside of your uh, outside of your species. Like you're kind of viewed as like a pervert. Like it's almost like uh, being being uh being a homosexual in that yeah, uh, society like, oh, you can but why would you want to kind of thing yeah it's, it's frowned upon it's stigmatized but it's it's not unheard of in saga sure. it is unheard of for like very serious very uh clear reasons that are in you know kind of endemic to the entire plot um mm-hmm. 
so like they go through the work of justifying it and also wrapping it in wrapping it into like this larger metaphor um here they don't do that because they just have to exist in a school where they're all just bumping around being horny teens so (laughs) whatever yeah it it it, it's never going to get far enough in its conception to reach as high as some of these other works do right I, i just it really is just a slice of life teen show that happens to be in space. I just wish that the 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 different aliens were just a little more interesting. They more than just like what if a babe was green kind of yeah. aliens. And yeah. sometimes they are, but it's it's more often that they're just gimmick characters like Douglas. Like I do remember one time I watched this a long time ago and one episode that is kind of haunting in retrospect uh, and leaves me more th- with more questions than answers <laughs> is is that uh, Lloyd makes a new friend. This uh, kind of nerdy, insect-looking, looking guy, um, who like is is pretty stigmatized at the outset, and then like a few days later, he metamorphosizes into kind of like this jock beetle. I see, yeah. And you know, through the span of like two weeks, he goes through this entire life cycle where he's like, at first he's you know in with the geek crowd, and then he's like kind of moved past them, and then as he continues aging, he is eventually an old man by the end of the episode, which is like haunting. For right. um, and he's like, oh, I can't believe how badly I treated you. I'm sorry. And then he apparently dies because school is, you know, apparently you go to the same school even if your life cycle is two weeks, which is fascinating. Yeah, that's it's that forced hegemony. They're, the Everything must fit into what the green people's idea of society is. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that that's almost like a cool bit of incidental, like, uh, you know, the enforced hegemony could be an interesting angle if they'd bother to do more with it. Like, I would love to see Kurt have to, like, squeeze through doorways, you mm-hmm. know, because they, they weren't designed with every race in mind. They were just designed for, like, the normal ones. Like, this, this assumed... Uh, this this uh, this this assumed standard that doesn't fit neatly across all uh, all different... Like, that, that would be how you do the racial bit, is, like, yeah. have, have the metaphor of, like, oh, well... Clearly, the people who are designing the school should have final say in, like, the dimensions of lockers and whatnot. Or, or, or like, you know, be, because this happens to take place on on their home planets, they should have—we should have all their textbooks in their language. That just seems endemic. Like, you could very easily kind of encapsulate this racial metaphor with some— uh, you know, imperialistic attitudes of mm-hmm. whoever happens to be in charge at the moment. That that would that, be the that way really, to do it. That supports the the idea that we had that this was a very recent galactic alliance. Yeah. Um, that and that these kids are kind of the first generation to grow up without the biases of their parents. Yeah, and that that would be that would be a really cool way to do it. Like the, the you know, youth is the future kind of stuff. Uh, I feel like we've seen that in a in a movie that we watched recently, but uh, I, I can't bring it to mind. Oh well, but yeah, that that like that would be how you do the, you know, how do you account for all these different races? Well, you you know, you actually listen to them and see what their needs are, as opposed to just <laughs> trying to standardize everything because they're how you understand the world. That would be how you do it. Yeah, lost potential exhibit number fifty three. Yeah, there's a lot of in a in a show that has a lot of them. Uh, again, this is if you are trying to focus on the space stuff more than you probably should. Right, right. Like, a lot of the time, the space stuff you're engaging with is, instead of fireworks, let's say supernova. Instead of fish and hole, let's say, you know, uh, asteroid belt. It's, it's, you know, it's just... The space sci-fi aesthetic also influences the music and sound effects. 
Yeah. Here's here's part of the show that I really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, because they use synth a lot. They use a lot of these synth sci-fi whistles and hoots. Um, yeah, the theremin also. The theremin. That's what I'm thinking of. The, the... I gotta tell you, theremins really seem like they shouldn't exist. I uh, yeah, it looks I, so fake. They they don't look real to me. But maybe you know that it seems like a seems like something that Eddie in the real world might have created in his free time. You know, <laughs> in between being ostracized and writing his fanfic on Reddit. Um, it I don't know. It 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 has the nice like every time you see you know kind of a space thing whether it's in Star Trek or or Twilight Zone intro or whatever you have those kind of creepy high notes on a theremin mm-hmm. uh, the, the the whistling whooshing sort of sound effects maybe some zaps and zorps yeah there's a lot of little you know background noises just as scenes are going on of like panels flashing clangs whoops i'm sure i've heard like the door in space kind of yeah the whatever that is when the door goes up from the from the ground as opposed to like opening mm-hmm. I, i'm sure there's a there's got to be a specific verb for that but uh, uh yeah there's also um when you're you're the portal ascension noise the what the portal ascension noise <laughs> i'm sorry go on the, uh, there's also a sound that plays when they fade out of one scene and go to another. That's like a two-note reverberating guitar. It's like, yeah, yeah, like sting, sting between panels noise, but a little bit specified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't add anything that the then the that the setting doesn't already do. It's it's you know what it's the first choice you would make. Like a lot of things in this show is the first. It's like how um, when they were thinking about what voice to give Bender in Futurama, all the voice actors go in and they're like doing robot voices like beep boop, I am Bender. And then, you know, John DiMaggio goes in and like, hey, what's up, Fry? This is what I will be known for forever despite my fairly prolific career. (laughs) He leans into it. It's not like, I I feel like he probably likes it. (laughs) (laughs) But you get what I mean? Like, like, they they find an idea that works and they never go beyond that first idea. It's it's uh, it's an improv sin. I I don't think it's a sin here. Like I feel like that's the right choice. Uh, I feel like that what they did with like the theremin and space sci-fi sound effects and marrying that with the Disney catalog of bouncy bouncy kind of tones. I, I feel like it works exactly right for both halves of that show. Yeah, it's fitting. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, what could you do besides fitting though? Like there's nothing. You know, else you could you could there. push the medium. <laughs> there's nothing to. I mean, like, yeah, I guess like you could challenge show, the audience. A show that's a so so derivative as being recess but in space is uh is definitely cleaving pretty hard to formula. I mm-hmm. just thought that it was well executed formula. So you know, that's, I mean, this was this was certainly the time to do it. This was you know the early two thousands was when this type of show was everywhere. Yeah, and I will also mention that pasting those two halves together in the intro is kind of a, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it a stroke of genius, but it, like a, a, a stroke of aptitude, <laughs> you know, is, 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 I guess my point. Yeah. Like you, you hit on the idea that we all would have gotten around to eventually, but you did it first. Good, mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, I mean, that's how I would do it now. Like if I were given the tools to create this show, I would definitely use that in that same sound catalog. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the right move. Um, I, I like the dialogue of this show an awful lot. I actually, I actually thought that it was pretty good. I am torn. Okay, what are you torn about? 
sometimes they say really good and clever things like their conversations feel like that sort of, uh, you know, growing up, you can meander off onto a, you know, an off topic and then come right back to the original topic. You can, you know, oh, we're going to get into this little sub loop where we just name fun band names for a minute. Like, hey, good band name. And then go right back to the plot. So mm-hmm. that's kind of that's pretty charming, but yeah. A and lot also of point the, out again that Lloyd's, you know, kind of mannerisms, his Buffy speak is uh, mm-hmm. it makes it feel more organic. Like it doesn't feel uh, hyper crafted by a, by a writing team. Yeah, this, to me. this is a person who, for good reason, doesn't know all the words yet. Yep, yep. And I got that feeling with a lot of the characters is is them speaking in a pretty organic way. But the dialogue to me is one reason why this show, like episodes felt like they went on too long. Like this is the prime example of trying to put what should be an 11 minute show into 22 minutes because you mentioned you felt like they restated themselves a lot. It's a lot of restatement. It's a lot of reiteration. We see the same basic concept again and again. I wonder how much of that is just us being able to foresee the way the episode is going to go before it gets there. You could see it as a plus because younger kids like that kind of repetition and, and expectations. Yeah, and that, that, that's, the, a, that's a wall we are always going to crash up against and not be able to scale because you can't go back in time. The reason why it bothers me, and this fits into the whole, like, nobody bothered doing a second draft here, is the way they do exposition doesn't make sense given that they have all this time to fill. They could do it in a way that's not jaw-droppingly blatant. <laughs> they, I don't know if you if you caught up on this, but they cram everything you need to know about the the setting and where they are into the first sentence of a scene Mm. and they have to make it fit so they have to arrange it into a way that nobody talks oh like they're already up at the fishing hole and then lloyd is like grandpa why are we at a fishing hole no (laughs) it's even more presumably they would say it on their way there (laughs) it's more blatant than that it's like lloyd you know when i brought you here to this fishing hole because i had a couple of weeks off i really was thinking that you would cotton to it but now i can see that you're not really into it yeah yeah first sentence I got to tell you, I didn't find that much of it, but maybe I'm just inoculated a little harder. <laughs> I, I like I lost it each time. I'm like, how can this be your choice when the rest of the show is so padded? It's like the dialogue equivalent to that scene in Osmosis Jones with the fake eyelashes. Yeah. Of, like yeah. really going out of your way to get the least organic way to in- introduce this uh, this plot. And you didn't have to. There were better and there were less intensive ways of doing it. Was it really so consistent as to do it very often? Like, I'm not saying you're wrong either. I'm just saying I didn't happen to focus on those very much. It's, it stuck out to me. You know, there was the one episode where he ditches his friend to uh, go play with uh, his sister Francine is because they had a week off. So he, so the, the show started and he was like, man, I sure am glad that now because of the, you know, this thing, we have a week off to do whatever we want, which is going to be playing video games and hanging out with the chums. Yeah, that's a, that's a little unnatural. <laughs> I guess I do remember an episode where they do like a time skip uh, fantasy moment where they're like, like uh, don't don't think too hard about this plot line, but uh, Douglas, Eddie, and Kurt are all werewolves of some sort, and they huh? uh, they're hounding What's Lloyd. They're they're hounding Lloyd, who has has locked himself in his room. Where station him. has long since unpowered, and he's kind of doing a Wilson castaway routine with a defunct station, where he's like. <laughs> You know, station back 50 years ago and we locked ourselves in this room. <laughs> I guess it is kind of unnatural now that you, now that you mention it. I don't know. It, it stuck out to me. Sure. It, it probably happened more than I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what you're saying is, like, 
decent, like, uh, it's an interesting combination of weird delivery that underlines how unnatural the dialogue is, plus, like, the syntax of a given sentence is actually kind of realistic, and it doesn't feel overdeveloped. Mm-hmm. It's weird that both of those would be true. I also wanted to note that the, the, the humor that comes through in a lot of these dialogue pieces feel very Futurama to me. Okay. Um, in the episode where they jettison from the school because bureaucracy, I guess, the uh, there's, uh, there's you know, everything is kind of status quo. They're like, okay, we just need to hang out. We're, we're, we're all calm. Um, and then a bunch of people in different groups start fighting. And then in the one group... One of them said, uh, Lloyd says, well, at least we're getting along. And like the bully character in the group goes like, who do you think you're talking to? I don't get along with nobody. <laughs> and th- I think that's like almost an exact quote for like, that's almost the exact line that we had in F- make us XLR with like, you know, you can't win. I don't know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I really like that delivery of like, there's a joke inside of this plot mechanic <laughs> that is just like. Oh, that's a that's a cute turn of phrase. That kind of there were very there were very clever lines, but I I feel like the inconsistency of it means that like they had an inconsistent writing team, and some people just knew how to write the jokes, and some didn't. Let me tell you. Let me say one more because I, I yeah I was like this is just this is exactly I this I feel like Miss Bolt the the teacher just was ported straight from Futurama. We already she's talked pretty about great. The voice she's one of my favorite characters. Um kind of reminded me of the teacher in Invader Zim in that way. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of world where you kids are just such assholes kind of kind of stuff. But she uh, has the voice of mom from Futurama. She is a robot that looks an awful lot like Calculon. Um, <laughs> and then she says this, the following line that felt like a very Futurama delivery uh, where she's going to go fix something outside on the on the classroom like window or something and she goes up to Lloyd and says, Nebulon, you're good at sitting around with a blank expression on your face. See if you can get everyone else to do that while I fix the antenna. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, if you read that in that mom voice, it's like, yep, yep, that's a, that's a very Futurama delivery. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know, I, know I, ha- I know I have to degrade you as an individual, but I don't know how to get there yet. So I'm just going to let the sentence start and see where it ends up. It's a, it's, yeah, it's exactly the sort of thing that would happen there. And it, like, it was contemporaneous with Futurama, so that might not be entirely incidental. Yeah, you know, she was working on both shows. She'll bring the delivery over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I, I like this show in many ways and then disliked it in also a good number of ways. Yeah, I think I think it's just that there are so many other things I could be doing with my time than watching Lloyd in Space. Yeah, it uh, like this. It really reminds me why I remembered that the show existed, but didn't have a lot of familiarity with the the nuts and bolts of it. Mm-hmm. Which is that like, and and to to quote from the uh, the summary from Common Sense Media, Space <laughs> Teen copes with intergalactic boredom. Which is That's which is more bad. or less yeah. It's the the only problem with that synopsis is space. Like if you take the space part out, we just have Doug, and or recess. Both yeah, of which also, are Also, I think they could have up the boredom. Like if he had gone into an ennui, that would have been a, you know, that would have been a character moment. I I really like how you know, I really like how, you know, mom and apple pie he is. I really <laughs> I I really like how like how much of a fifties kind of kid uh, playing ball in like he feels like a character from Sandlot to me. Yeah, he's 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 Beaver. They're leaving it to him. Yeah, yeah. I you know I 
yeah, I know we that really you didn't were like a Lloyd little much. rascals. I feel like Lloyd is actually an excellent character. You know, I I will not sign off on that, but I see where you're coming from. I mean, he just feels pretty real to me. Like if you took him out of space, you just have a very relatable character that fucks up a lot, and that's uh that's a powerful thing to for like a teen who is watching it, who is probably oversaturated on good boy routines by this point mm-hmm. to kind of see, hey, here's someone who kind of wants to be good, but is really bad at it and regularly is the bad actor in a situation. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into that. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess I just didn't see him rise to the occasion enough to see that sort of depth. I mean, that's kind of the point, you know? He doesn't rise to the... I mean, let's not rehash the entire thing. Yeah, I... I uh, I ended up liking this show more than more than I anticipated. That's fine. It's uh, I, I thought I would enjoy it more. I, I the the biggest criticism that I haven't kind of relegated to it yet is just that it looks very plastic. Yeah, yeah, the sort of everything's kind of sleek and monochromatic. The thing like that not, I not with each other, but like oh, that's very pastel yellow. Yeah, and there's no shading on any of the characters. Which could have gone a long way. There's no lighting effects. It it looks exactly the same as Recess, but is marketed to a slightly older audience. It's it's like how what, the Weekenders looked almost. It's almost like the Weekenders in space more than more than Recess in space. Yeah, I, I would say even a little more uh, or Pepper you know, I- iconic and and low low grade in terms of the character models and that. Like Kurt's just a few shapes stacked on top of each other. I wonder if part of that was, like, animation mileage at all. I just, like, this is not uh, maybe the highest cost production show. And Could maybe be. they maybe they just cut a few corners in that way. I do not know enough about the industry to, uh, to make that judgment. But uh, I do know that, like, in Recess, it looked vaguely plastic. But it also kind of looked like crayon. You know, <laughs> like, it, it sort of had overlapping... Uh, colors in in the in the backgrounds that made it feel a little bit more color book and that that Mm -hmm. fit the younger crowd i would want a little more texture in a show that is trying to market a little bit older and that does not happen here yeah i agree music and sound effects work exactly the way they're supposed to though so it makes it up on those fronts yeah i mean like this show does exactly what it says it's going to do. I really wanted it to reach higher, both because of the pedigree of the people making it, as well as the, like, concept. Like, there's, there's, there are riches there for you to grab if you would only reach a little higher. Did you, uh, did you have any other, like, kind of favorite uh, one-off characters? Because we went through the characters, and then she has kind of wrapped up pretty quick. You know, but I, I liked a lot of the, the one-offs pretty I good. never really saw them rise above the the you know mono uh characteristic type character level i liked brian um, doyle murray as a uh, grandpa leo didn't see oh the, the hologram yeah and he's like at a nursing home which is like a ter- like a fairly kind of realistic depiction of hey we can't take care of you anymore uh we're just gonna have to put you up somewhere and they they, they still have a they still call each other and have a decent relationship but like you know wait Mom's i thought still- he was an actual hologram no, mom put him in a home. Like, he's in a retirement home. I wanted him to be a hologram. I think that adds a lot. Yeah, like what? What does it add, Zane? 
You know, it's like in uh, in Pelswick, how you have that guardian angel. <laughs> oh yeah, the additive, the most additive related, <laughs> relatable <laughs> element in that show, the guardian angel. Who's talking well, just about. to have him, you know, talk to you and guide you through your problems and add a little like back in my day, we did it this way. But he, like, but, like that's the that's the point is that he's not additive to Lloyd's <laughs> life. Is that he's only subtractive and distracting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a fairly realistic depiction of like how a teen would interpret an old person in his life. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of appreciated that. And Brian Doyle Murdy does like that voice extremely well. That old person voice. Yeah. Um, the other character that I wanted to note just because I, I, I couldn't remember if his name was Cooter or not. <laughs> yes, Boomer. <laughs> Boomer. Yeah, Lloyd actually says it one way like later Boomer. He's like later Boomer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, Boomer. Okay, um, I found that very charming. Yeah, that's that's funny in retrospect. Yeah, Diedrich Bader, who is, uh, I know him oh, he's best. Great. I know him best as Oswald from uh, Drew Carey Show, but also uh, my boyfriend and I both get a kick out of him in Office Space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have, what was the, uh, I, I don't know if I have this factoid exactly correct, so one of us is going to have to do some Wikipedia diving. I think that I read a Office Space, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of interview with all the major characters, major actors in it, and somebody, it might have been him, insisted that his character had a mustache, like a handlebar <laughs> mustache handlebar. <laughs> in, in, the, in that movie. God, that's iconic. <laughs> hey, Boomer, what would you do if you could do anything at all? I'll tell you what I'd do, little man. <laughs> <laughs> two chicks at the same, two aliens at the same time, man. The, the second I heard that voice, I'm like, oh, I gotta bring that up. <laughs> yeah i mean he he, now he talks did. the way like Otto from uh the simpsons does like this is just a, a stoner mechanic who's you know like a like a conscience to the to the boy i i kind of like the way he looks though oh yeah you know he actually looks pretty like era specific in a in a satisfying way like you know a little bit coked out hippie yeah, I don't know exactly what reference point they were going for, but they they nailed the general idea. I really, I feel like I kind of like laser focused targeted on coked out hippie, but <laughs> you know, to each their own. But yeah. yeah, there's there's you know there's stuff here. There is stuff here of value. I just find it a lower value proposition than doing most of the other things that I've been doing lately. I think the main thing to take away from this show is that the in space tag carries with it a lot of responsibility yes and this show could not measure up to that level of responsibility so but also it adds a little something to just lloyd that that is true it's not nothing it that's true but it, but it promises just, more it shifts the amount that i can gauge with it much more to the surface level mm-hmm. you know it like i can't really deal with it in any kind of deep way that i could deal with doug um but at the same time you get some cool sci-fi stuff happening Oh, that's the other thing that the space thing kind of ruins is the, you know, um, the stakes make no sense with a teenage boy. Okay. Like, uh, you know, jettisoned into space and going to fall into a dying star. Where in Doug does that happen? You know, <laughs> that's like it's, it, the, the, the stakes are ludicrously extreme. Like, I remember in the in the first episode, he like blew up a power plant and like the daycare center that his little sister was at was about to be decompressed into space and everyone would die in the intro he murders a whole bowling alley (laughs) 
<laughs> do you mean like the like the like the pins are sentient? What do you mean? No, like he he knocks his uh, space baseball into a window and explosive decompression, and everyone who's bowling gets shot out into space. Every two, single episode intro. Two thoughts. Do you think they call it space ball? Oh yeah. Okay, great. It was space thought, base actually. Space base. Um, second question. I think that there might be a little incidental storytelling of like the fact that they're in space and like it being kind of the wild frontier of this new galactic federation i'm betting there is a lot of casualties and that everybody is pretty ready to die at any moment because yeah life has little value they're very blasé about like gigantic consequences of almost be like in the jettison into space episode they're going to be sucked into a star and die and you though the reaction that you get from all the kids is a gasp (laughs) yeah. <laughs> like no panic no like just like no oh my god did yelling. you see what that black hole was wearing <laughs> yeah it's like it's just it the the, the stakes don't fit everyone's <laughs> like it this is a people whom expect to die at it like think about what they wear when they're they outside just got in space. out of a galactic war ben the, the only thing that they wear while they're in space is like a thin glass helmet like, mm-hmm. there's no spacesuit. It, it's Some kind of, of them can survive in space little brain boy doesn't need anything yeah, I don't know what that's about. Like, you'd think he would need a lot of oxygen for that thing. That's all he yeah. is. <laughs> oh, found another glaring plot hole in this show. Oh, yeah. Well, now I can't engage with that at all. Yeah. Uh, that's Lloyd in space. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I'm, I, I don't really need the in-space modifier on anything else for quite some time, I think. I, I think that... Uh, I'm glad that we checked this out. Like, I think it's more mm-hmm. interesting than we originally thought it would be, and I'm done with it. Yeah. Uh, Zane, I confess, uh, I vaguely recall that you had said that our next couple episodes were tied up, but I don't That's remember right. how. That's all right. Is uh, that we'll accurate? Tell you. <clears throat> so the next episode that we're going to watch is Dino Trucks. Oh, oh yeah. That That's uh, my my last choice for a while. The rest are sort of um, co-decided. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to look forward to Dino Trucks. Yep, I, I imagine that, that'll be terrible. Zane, what is after that? After that, it is time for our scrambled segment. We're, we're circling around the big 150, so we have to do uh, scrambled, we have to do a really good show, and we got to do a movie. It's in um, our charter. Like, we all agreed on this. Like, the Galactic... <laughs> look, we didn't want to agree on it, but the higher-ups, they... they you know, the, 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 the podcast federation said, hey, this is what all podcasts should have because it works good for us. But No, we we convinced the Intergalactic Federation that the Carton cast was a planet. So we yeah. have to yes. really watch ourselves so that they don't audit us. You should see our flag. Um, is it just the logo of the podcast? I actually didn't have a follow-up. I was hoping I could get there, and I didn't. <laughs> it's right there. I just um, figured, hey, it should have a flag. Let's not worry so, about the rest. For this scrambled segment, uh, an interesting confluence of events uh, has led us to take this suggestion that was given to us a little bit ago by uh, Thomas Meehan, mm-hmm. and we are going to be watching something called Doctor Who, The Power of the Daleks. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, our former guest, Phil Hobby, expressed interest in coming on for this. He, uh, His love of Doctor Who was... Um, the actually uh, the reason how we first met because my friend was like oh i'm gonna want to i want to go watch some old old school doctor who with my friend come along oh cool yeah so he has like old i think tapes or dvds of like the fourth doctor and that that's our era or geez oh and older um and this show is an animated reconstruction of recovered audio they had made a few episodes called the power of the daleks of the old school um 
I don't remember which, which era exactly, but the old school Doctor Who, but they lost the, vi- the visuals. Uh, and so somebody animated the audio. Is it like a blooper reel? No, it's it's like several episodes. Oh, so like it's it's not the C Lab twenty twenty one. We're gonna reconfigure this old audio to fit our purposes, or this old footage to fit our purposes. It's actually reconstruct the audio and try to do it justice. Yeah, this is. Hey, we found a tiny shred of Doctor Who memorabilia. Let's let the fans take care of it. They'll curate it for us. <laughs> that, that that sounds amazing. I feel like it is actually like kind of a perfect confluence of what Phil and we like. We and Phil yeah. like. Phil and yeah. we? It, hey, is Phil and we <laughs> proper grammar? <laughs> Phil and us. Phil. No, wait. Yeah, see? See? Phil Parsing. and in space? <laughs> Phil and in space. Uh, but yeah, um, we're looking forward to having Phil back on the podcast, and thank you, Thomas, for that recommendation. Yeah, thanks so much, Thomas. And if you have any uh, any comments on Doctor Who and the Whovians of Whoberg, then, uh, you know, please drop us a line so that we can read them on air. And the way you can or do that, Dino Trucks. Yeah, or Dino Trucks and the Whovians of Whoville. Both great residents. <laughs> if, if, you have, if you have comments on either one of those shows and would like us to read them on air, please go to our Facebook page and drop a comment below the link for this episode or pretty much where, wherever you can find real estate, really. Um, you can go to our website at cartoncast.com or fancybat.com for our group website. And if you go to our contact page on there, you can recommend a show. You can... You know, submit a comment on one of the shows, which we will read on the episode. Yeah, it might take us a little bit to to follow through on your recommendation, but uh, I I do have a spreadsheet. Oh, good. <laughs> it uh, you know, uh, not, we don't get many recommendations, but I've got a spreadsheet with the ones coming up that are we don't already have kind of time slotted for whenever uh, whenever I deem that it would be a good time to do whatever the hell. All right. So, so send fiercely worded letters if you want to uh, badger us into doing things. We're pretty receptive to it. Like, uh, <laughs> no, no. With, with all respect, we do enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, we're also just cowards. So, noted cowards. Noted cowards. Carton cast. That's our flag. Is just a, uh, just a stick figure bent over and a different spent stick figure with a paddle in his hands. No eggs. <laughs> I guess that also makes sense. But uh, you know, this <laughs> this fits the moment better. Uh, yeah. So you can go to our contact page on uh, fancybat.com. We would really appreciate it if you did and told us what you like about the show. And more than anything else, tell your friends about the show. Oh, and uh, go to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and the like and give us a rating or review. Thank you very much. Yep. And uh, in the far-off future, should this record survive and we be reanimated from it somehow, Mm -hmm. um, make sure that that your space station is up to code, uh, that we do not explosively decompress. Uh, I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Zane. 